I want you to turn to Jude, though. There's only one chapter in Jude. We're going to be starting in verse 20 today. Last week, we started a two-part message from this book. How many of you were here last week? Did you hear part one? I hope that you heard part one. It's a timely message in that, uh, as I explained last week, Many of us are in a storm. I, you know, I, I was shocked. There are a lot of messages that the Lord lays on my heart that when they are finished, I expect to hear from people. But last week was one of those where I thought, you know, I'm just, this is me and, and several other people are going through a situation. I'm going to throw this out uh, and really didn't expect much back. And it was overwhelming the response that I got from you in the way of texts, emails. Uh, Apparently, this season has really struck home with many of you. When I talked about a storm, I wasn't just talking about um, some little thing that that is a normalcy for your life, but I talked about the storm, and I gave the, the explanation as I shared with you the dream the Lord had given me about how violent this storm was going to be and how fearful that it was and how that had been confirmed to me uh, in several ways that it was valid and that it was true. And I, I said that, you know, the storm that is, that is here, that is coming, is going to be violent enough in nature and comprehensive enough in nature that it won't just affect a few people because if two or three people are going through a difficult time in life and 800 others aren't, so what? But when all of us, for whatever reason, enter into a storm that is really difficult for us personally, and then you put all of those people together and all of them are in a bad place, something really difficult going on in their life, then there is a tendency there for them to start striking at each other because that's what happens. You know what happens to the dog that gets hurt and you try to help it, it bites you. And so I just had this sense in my spirit that the Lord was telling us to prepare for a for a, a church wide storm that was coming against us, but would attack us from various directions, might affect me one way, something else for you, something else for you, something else for you. But when all of those are put together at the same time, they became a a blinding blizzard uh, where that that you're just trying to figure out how to go and where to go next and what to do and and how to get through that particular situation. So the Lord gave me this message about. Jude and about the storm and he told us though in the storm that the that not just the foundation but that the house stands the the so the the good news was I've heard people say well we went through a storm and and it really hit our family and it knocked us all the way down the foundation but it couldn't take out the foundation we were able to build on the well the, the dream the Lord gave me didn't even knock off the roof of the house it damaged a rafter and everything else was standing. Everything else was fine. So the good news in all this, the Lord was saying to me, and it was confirmed by yet another individual that doesn't go to our church that I hadn't seen in a long, long time who called me and repeated the dream the Lord had given me, even used some of the same terminology, used some of the same words. Said, pray, you're going into a storm. I see a house that goes through a tornado. I mean, the whole, the, it's just, just amazing, the confirmation that if the, if the Lord allows me to share that with you, that I'm going to do one of these days. And it will literally make the, the hair stand up on your arms and give you goosebumps. I mean, because it's the same wording. But the Lord was, in essence, saying to us, you're going in a storm, pray up, get ready, stay ready. 
but the house is going to stand. Everything's going to be all right. I'm the one that's going to straighten this out. Just keep your focus on what you're supposed to do. And so I said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? And then this word, he gave me this word. And so it appears that, that uh, as we said last week, that, that this is not a new thing, that that uh, Jude, he was speaking in, when he was writing, he was actually speaking about Enoch, who, who was the seventh from Adam, which meant uh, that there were a group of people that Jude talked about here that he was referring back to from Enoch's time that must have lived at least 5,000 years ago that caused problems for people even before there was, as we know it, the New Testament church. Way back then, there were a group of what we call these people. Jude refers to these people. And so last week, we talked about these people. How do, I, how do we identify these people? Now, these people are not the problem. It's a spirit that's working through them. Because remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, darkness, all this kind of stuff. So it's not these people that are our enemies, but it's the spirit of the enemy that's working through these people as they are allowing themselves to be used. And so Jude said, I want you to be able to identify these people. And so last week, you remember, we listed how you will know who these people are. We listed what they're going to do, what they're going to say, how you'll be able to identify them. And I told you, if you came back this week, I'd give you part two. The good news now, part two is the last five verses. And it speaks about those of you uh, who, like me, are in the storm. You're not one of those people, but you're one of those that are just trying to figure out how to continue to do what the Lord has called you to do. And this message now is for you. These people we talked about last week were those who are those that are that are are bent or sent uh, to cause difficulty and division in the church. But these that we're talking about this week are those of you that are the ones that are just saying, hey, I'm the one being attacked. I'm the one in the storm. I'm the one going through the trial. I'm the one going through the difficulty. What do I need to do? And it is interesting to note that there is a theme that occurs in these last five verses. It's a one. It's just a one-word theme that occurs. It's the title of our message today, and it's the word keep. K-E-E-P, just keep. And what Jude is saying to, the, to us in these verses is that we're going to have to keep doing something. He's going to have to keep doing, keep hearing, keep saying, keep working. Those are the things that I'm going to break down for you today. So I specifically want to paint this picture. For those of you that are in the storm, I don't need to see your hand, but you're in the storm, you're in the midst of the blizzard, you're trying to figure out how you're going to come through this. This word today is what is going to tell you, you need to keep being and doing throughout this storm. With me, if you are, say amen. Okay, remember now that these people that will come in are not from the outside normally because we would notice that. These are people from the inside. And they are coming because an enemy has sent them with specific instructions. Their goal is to disrupt, to discourage, to distract, and then ultimately to destroy. But because... Of the word God's given us, we're not going to be blinded to that and we'll stay united even though uh, it is the enemy's purpose to try to drive divisions between us. We're not going to allow that to happen because the Lord has given us this word. You know, it's really, it's a fearful thing for these people uh, who are being used of the enemy too because the scripture tells us that they're in for real trouble and that they are doomed. I'm read. this is from the scripture. They are doomed to the darkest pits of hell. 
I do not want to be one of these people. Amen. And, and, and I have sincerely prayed that this message will find its way into their heart and that, that it will be presented in such a way that they'll be able to receive that because the Lord loves them and, and this is a message of warning to them because he wants them to quit being one of those people and to get over here on this side of the storm because if they don't, then they're in for real trouble and he loves them, they're his children. So let's look at verse these last five verses, starting in, in Jude, uh, verse 20, where he says, Dear friends, keep building on the foundation of your most holy faith as the Holy Spirit helps you to pray. And keep in step with God's love as you wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to show you how kind he is by giving you eternal life. And be helpful to all who may have doubts and rescue any who need to be saved as you would rescue someone from fire. And then with fear in your own hearts, have mercy on everyone who needs it, but hate even the clothes of those who have been made dirty by their filthy deeds and offer praise to God our Savior because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only God can keep you from falling and make you pure and joyful in his glorious presence before time began and now and forevermore. God is worthy of glory and honor and power and authority. Amen. There's the last five verses. There's the theme. You saw it. Keep being, doing, staying, praising, whatever it might be. I want to take a few minutes. And I want to break this down. I want you to get your pen. Write this down. Number one, the first, the first thing for those of you in the storm or going into the storm for you to remember is this. Number one, keep building on the foundation of faith. It's found in verse 20. The scripture says we are to build up ourselves. We are the the moral and responsible agents to do this. It is our responsibility to put forth our own exertions to do this. What is he saying here? Remember last week I said, let's not become content with being spoon-fed. Too many believers are relying only on what they get at church. They don't break open the Bible. They don't study. They don't read. They don't feed themselves. I'll tell you something. If I didn't eat three times a day, I'll get real hungry. If I didn't eat but one time a week, I would starve to death. Some Christians are trying to live on one meal a week. And that's if they make it to church that Sunday. You know how puny and weak and frail you'll get if you just don't eat. You need nutrition. And the only way you get nutrition is you have to, at some point, you have to start picking up the fork and feeding yourself. And this is what he's saying when he says, keep building on the foundation of faith. Build up yourself. Take on responsibility to feed yourself on the word of God. This is a choice. He's saying you need to take the, make the choice to keep building. The Holy Spirit will help you in this as you pray and stay in constant communication with the Lord. But we have to make a constant choice to do this building, this doing, this working and after we have done that, after we have resolved ourselves to the doing of this building of ourselves, then we can rely on God to safely bring us through our storm. I, I was reading something the other day I thought was a pretty good illustration of this, about how that you make preparation, and once you've done all you can do, then it's safe to rest in God, and, and it, there was a missionary years ago. Uh, he was known as Sir Wilfred Grenfell. He was a medical missionary to Labrador, and he 
found himself adrift on an ice flow. And he was, it had broken off and it was headed out to sea. And he knew that he was in bad trouble. And so the story goes that he mercifully killed his dogs, made a coat out of their hides, put up a distress flag, and laid down and went to sleep. He was rescued, obviously, and later on someone said, how did you lay down and go to sleep? And he said, there was nothing to fear. I had done all I could. The rest lay in God's hands. Let's keep building. Because when you've done all, when what the scriptures say, having done all, then stand. You can stand. So what I'm going to do in this storm, Pastor, keep building on that foundation of faith. Making a conscious choice to stay in the word. Making a conscious choice to stay in prayer. Stay in fellowship. Stay in his house. Surrounding yourself with people that love you. Make a conscious decision to do that. Because in a storm, when you're in the midst of it, if you don't keep doing that, you're going to find yourself in a bad place. Number two, verse 21. Keep in step with God's love. God's word puts it this way. Remain in God's love. And it's a choice again. You say, well, I thought he's going to love me no matter what. He will unconditionally love you, but you have to choose to love him back. And Jesus told us how it is that we show our love for the Father. He said, if you love the Father, you will keep his commandments. So this is a choice. Obedience is the key here. You have to choose to obey God. Now, what what if you don't keep building on faith, and what if you don't keep choosing to obey God, then what is going to happen? you very likely could end up being one of these people from last week. Because that's what's happened to them. The the ones we talked about last week are not, they're not just unbelievers, but they're people from within the walls of trust. They're just folks who've allowed themselves to get off track and they've stayed there too long out of anger or rebellion or an attempt to control or whatever it might be. But the scripture says that we're to watch out for them and not become one of them. And the way that we do that is by Choosing to continue to remain in God's love. How do we do that? By continuing to obey Jesus. Obey the word. So I'm going to build myself up. And this is what I'm doing in the storm. I'm building myself up in my my faith. And I am choosing to obey God. Even in the storm. Whenever I'm being distracted by the things. I'm making a conscious choice. I'm going to continue to obey God. Now there's things going on that are not good. I'm, I'm having difficulty, right? I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. But I have to make a decision that no matter what's going on, I'm going to obey God above the distractions. Amen? Let's keep going. Number three, verse 22. Keep being helpful to all in doubt. There's a, an old commentator by the last name of Clark, and he said, the general meaning of this exhortation is supposed to be, you are not to deal alike with all those who have been seduced by false teachers, but you're to make a difference between those who've been led away by weakness and imprudence and those who in the pride and arrogance of their hearts and their unwillingness to submit to wholesome discipline have separated themselves from the church and have become its Enemies, that's the key. If you hear what he was saying there, what he's saying is that we are to keep reaching out to those who are being misled, 
but we're to shun the one who's causing trouble out of rebellion and spite. What's it mean? Shun, that sounds like a bad word. No, that doesn't mean we hate. That doesn't mean we condemn. That doesn't mean we're judging them off to hell. But what it says is that we pray for them, but we choose to give them no ear. Hmm? What are you saying, Pastor? When you hear someone speaking against God, or you hear someone speaking against his prophets, or you hear someone speaking against his work, you shut them down and you walk away. What if I don't do that, Pastor? Then you're making yourself available to hear the poison they're about to share, and you're going to find yourself becoming one of these people. Amen? So what's this saying in this, in this passage right here? That, that we're to keep loving them and we keep praying th- for them because God loves them and he wants them to get to come back home, but we're not going to tolerate if they refuse to heed his warnings. So this, this particular point being made sp- uh, specifically would say to us that, that what we're being told is we keep helping the young and the inexperienced and the vulnerable and the unsuspecting, but we watch out. For the rebellious and the angry and the ones who are causing division. There was a sign outside of a, of a, uh, a riding stable. And the sign read like this. said, we have fast horses for people that like to ride fast. And we have slow horses for people that like to ro- ride slow. We have big horses for big people. And we have little horses for little people. And for those who have never ridden horses before, we have horses that have never been ridden. And I would say to you, let's protect our young better than that. You get the point? So here's what he's saying to us. Continue to help those that we can help. But pray for, but shun those who are the cause of of the problem. Number four, he says, keep rescuing the lost. Verse 23, rescue any who need to be saved as you would rescue someone from a fire. And I thought about this when I, when I was studying through this and I thought, you know, if, if, if I came up on a fire and I, and I saw people that were there that, that could be rescued, I wonder if I would just kind of lean over and whisper, might want to come out of there, hon. I don't think I would. I think that if my mind had been set to try to rescue someone from a fire, I would frantically be screaming, yelling, grabbing, pulling, seizing, anything I could do, coaxing, anything I could do, I would be focused completely on the people who are in that fire. Yet, if we're not careful in the midst of our storm, we'll forget about what really matters, and that is people that are on their way to hell. And instead of us now reaching out and grabbing and seizing and being focused on them, we become focused on ourselves. And the enemy loves it. Loves it. Loves it. He says, I got you right where I want you. All you can do is think about your problems, your bills, your situations, your relationships. You're no longer screaming and frantically trying to uh, drag people out of the fire. You're just worried about yourself. This passage is telling us, those of us, this is to those that are in the storm. Keep it in mind. What are we doing in the storm? Keep rescuing the lost. 
Don't be distracted by the storm. Keep your focus on what matters. Keep this in mind. The storm doesn't matter. God's already told you the storm's coming, but he's already told you that you're going to come through it fine. He's already told you that, so stay focused on what you're here to do. Reach the lost. It's not about politics. It's not about personal dramas. We are here to rescue the perishing. So stick to the mission. As a church, we're going deeper into the devil's territory than probably we've ever been. And we have his attention more so probably than we ever have. We're dragging victims out of hell. And that's why we have his attention. Stay focused on that. That's why you're in the storm is because of what you've been doing. Keep doing it. Don't get distracted. Don't get sidelined. You know what you're doing? You're making the devil mad. I love it. You're rescuing people from his pit of hell. I love it. The devil hates you and wants you dead. You've got his attention. Stay focused. We're going to win. And we're going to bring people with us to heaven that wouldn't get there otherwise. And the storm that's coming around to try to distract you from your purpose, we're not going to let that happen. This is too important. So what what people are saying about you or what's going on about you? So what's going on and all that kind of stuff? So what? Stay focused on what God sent us here to do. Reach the lost. What can we do to bring more to the cross? We have to make changes. We have to make room. We have to make concessions. We have to continue to keep that in our mind in order to rescue the lost. But keep rescuing the lost. Number five, verse 23. Keep having mercy on all in need of it. It says, then with fear in your own hearts, have mercy on everyone who needs it. But hate even the clothing of those who have been made dirty by their filthy deeds. What's he saying? Remember to fear the contagion of sin while you're rescuing the sinner. Hmm? Have mercy. Keep rescuing, but don't forget about the devil who's trying to bring you down. What I'm saying is be careful that you don't fall into the same trap as the person you're trying to pull from a trap. Stay clean while you're helping the dirty. Make sense? What am I going to do in the storm, pastor? Don't revert to your old ways. That's not going to get you where you need to go. Stay focused on where we're going. Let's stay clean while we help the dirty. Have mercy on all those in need of it. Let's keep going after them, but let's not fall into the pit with them while we're trying to drag them out. Somebody say amen. Number six. Verse 24, keep offering praise to God. What am I going to do through the storm? I'm going to offer praise to God our Savior because of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jude said. So I'm going to praise him through the whole storm. I'm going to praise him through any enemy attack. Not going to make a bit of difference. In fact, we should praise him all the time because no matter what's going on in our lives, God is good. God is not good or bad based on the circumstances in your life. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in your life. God is still God all time. He's always good. He's not the one that does the bad. He's not the one who even thinks about the bad. God is good. 
And so he deserves our praise. So here I am. I'm being distracted and disrupted and discouraged and all. But I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to keep praising God. But I'm doing the storm, Pastor. I choose to praise God in all things. So let's remember to keep all these things. And the final word that we're given in this book is found in the last two verses. It's, it's worth marking. It's worth noting over and over. I want you to see this. He says, only God can keep you from falling and make you pure and joyful in his glorious presence before time began. Now and evermore, God's worthy of glory, honor, power, and authority. What's he saying? Only God can keep you from becoming one of those people. How will I make sure that I don't ever become one of those people? By attending to what this word says here today. Amen? Is that right? Because it says that only God can keep us from falling. Only God can give you continuous joy and give you pure joy in spite of any storm and all the way through your storm and only he can surround you by his presence. I want to leave you with a thought. We're going to pray here in a minute. I'm going to pray for you. But I want to leave you with this thought. Everybody has a father. You choose your father in the spirit realm. Understand this about God. God is our father. And God loves you more than life and creation. But if you don't consciously choose him as your father, then you are by default choosing Satan to be your father. And let me tell you what, as a father, his plans are for your life. See if this sounds like a good daddy. His goal for you as his child is as much hurt, pain, death, destruction, and eternal hell as he can inflict upon your soul. That's not the kind of dad that I want. These people that Jude talked about last week are choosing the devil as their father. And what's so foolish about it is they have known better because they have known the real father. But they are making this choice because of rebellion in their life. The scripture says they're doomed if they, if they don't soften their hearts and return to their father. But all of the rest of you, Your word today is this. You have to keep building. You have to keep loving. You have to keep helping, rescuing, caring, and praising so that you won't lose focus and then someday be led astray by the ones who are refusing the warnings. So Jude says, just keep, just keep. Pastor, I'm going through it. I'm struggling. I'm in a storm. I'm in a fight for my life. Just keep. Just keep these six things. Just keep these six things. The scripture says that if you'll do this, that you're going to be successful. And the Lord has already shown us that you're going to come through. Now I want to share something with you and I want to pray. Can I do it? You still with me? Today is kind of ironic. I didn't even plan it this way. I didn't think about it till I was in my office. But this jacket I'm wearing was my dad's. Today I'm wearing the shawl passed down from the father to the son. 
I never thought I'd be big enough man to wear anything my dad wore. But it fits me perfectly. He'd shrunk some in his old age. One year ago today, my dad stood in this pulpit and preached his last message. He preached on healing and then he walked down to this aisle and we lined up the longest prayer line I've ever seen at our church in 22 years I've been here. And dad prayed for people for about an hour and the power of God hit. It was amazing. None of us knew that only five months later he would be in heaven. And two months later, mom would be there with him. We had no way of knowing that, did we? It's just an amazing thing. My father continues to speak to me. I don't know theologically how to explain this. I can't. But in dreams and visions, I continue to see him and have seen him since his passing. The dream I shared with you last week about the airplane spinning but not crashing and then me standing in the yard with another one of the people from our church. And I said to that individual, that storm that I just came out of, that airplane that was spinning uncontrollably and about to crash but never did, I said to this individual, that was the roughest thing I've ever been through in my life. And this person standing next to me was someone who is very loved by my family, by my parents. He's a part member of this church, been a member of this church since since I got here, was here before I got here, was standing in the yard when I said this. And he looked at me with tears running down his cheeks, but he never said a word. And I said, I'm going to go around here and tell dad. There was a house. An A-frame house with rafters, open rafters. And this house had went through this terrible storm, but one of the rafters was bent up. Everything around it was obliterated. And as I walked around the house, there was my dad up on a ladder with a ball-peen hammer. And I said, Dad, what you doing? He said, I'm going to straighten this out. Several weeks later, a buddy calls me. I haven't seen this guy to speak of in probably 25 years. Darren, yeah, pray, man. You're getting ready to go into a storm. Really? I already knew that. He said, I had a dream. I said, what was the dream? He said, we were standing in a field and there were two houses and the storm was so terrible that it tore one of the houses all to pieces. But he said, the house went first up into the sky and it started turning around and around and around. Like the airplane. There was another house though and he said, there were people in the house and they were laughing and they were fine and everything was okay. But he said, then that house in in the sky began to tear apart and pieces of it were being flung to the ground and we were dodging those pieces of things that were being flung at us. So we ran into the other house and he said, when we got in the other house, your mom and dad were there. And he said, when the storm was finished, he said, I looked around because your dad had left the room. And so he said, I stepped outside and he was outside. And he said, there was a rafter out there that had been bent and he was on a ladder. And I walked over to him and I said, what you doing? And he said, I'm straightening this out.
Now, there's other, there's other parts and there's other things. Some of those aren't for all of us, but I feel like that all was. That part is for you to understand that the cargo plane and the house represents the ministry, that the ministry takes a hit by a storm, that there's one rafter that is bent, that the wood around is obliterated, but God himself, the spiritual authority, is telling us, I have a ball-peen hammer and I'm straightening this out. You leave it alone. What you want me to do, Lord? Keep. What you want me to do, God? Keep. So today I'm standing up here in the prophet's jacket. Having heard from him now probably five or six times in the last seven months. Through the Holy Spirit. On this anniversary of the last time he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit and laid hands on people in that aisle right there. And the Holy Spirit says, it wasn't him, obviously. It was the Holy Spirit. It was God working through him. But the Holy Spirit said to me this morning, no, you're thinking about that. I just want you to know I'm still the same God. I am not worried about the storm. I'm the one told you it's coming. I've also told you that I'm going to straighten it out. And I've told you what to keep doing in the midst of it. So now what you need to do is warn these people so I can help them. And these other ones that are in the storm, pray for them that they'll keep. I said, okay, I could do that. So if you're one of these people, I'm not coming down on you. I'm not angry at you, but I'm simply giving you a word. If you're one of these people, allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. And in this prayer time this morning, get down on your knees and repent and get off that team you've been on of anger and rebellion and bitterness and strife and trying to cause division and trying to just get off that team. Your father is trying to kill you. Get back to the father that loves you. And for the rest of you that are going through the storm, I want to pray for you. Just like we did a year ago. We're going to pray like we did. I want to ask, I'm going to ask if that's you and you say, I am, in the, I am that person. I'm in that midst of that. I'm going through that storm. Then I want you to come and just, just come and stand in line across the front. Don't, don't wait. I mean, don't wait on the music or nothing. If it's you, come on. Just come and make a line, but make me a line so I can get around. Don't double up. Don't double up. Don't stand front and behind each other because then I don't know who's where. But make a line. I'm in the storm, Pastor. And I'm telling you about this storm. You'll re- you can relate. You'll relate. If you're in the storm, you, this, you'll relate to this. You're going through one of the hardest things or maybe the hardest thing you've ever gone through in your life. This storm you're in may have been a storm that's lasted a long, long time. Maybe you hadn't even really been aware of the storm, but the storm started a long time ago. But just recently you've become very aware of the winds and the thunder and the lightning and the shaking of the earth under your feet. 
You feel like everything around you is crashing. Coming apart at the seams. Probably through this time you've said things you wish you hadn't have maybe. Maybe even done some things you wish you hadn't have. But you know that you were just that poor pup that had been hurt and you were just biting. But you never quit loving Jesus. You loved him all through it. Your heart was broken. Some of you are standing here because of the result of tragedy. Some of you because of harm that has come your way. Some of you are here because you have been the recipient of some of these people we preached about the last couple of weeks who have come against you and hurt you very, very deeply. I hope that you are encouraged today by the word that says it's not just the foundation that stands, the whole house stands. The rafter might take a hit, but the house stands. The roof is on the house. There's people in the house. The church is still going forward. God is still in control. He is not afraid. He's not scared. He's not confused by this. This didn't take him by surprise. He knew this was coming. Today you're making a resolve to keep. I wish, I wish that I could join with you and lay hands on you and say, thank God the storm is over. But that's not what the Holy Spirit's telling me today. He didn't tell me to tell, to tell you that the storm is over. He told me to tell you that the storm is coming, that you might already be in it, but that it's probably not over. It might even get worse, but that you will not be destroyed. You will stand. If you'll keep, if you'll keep, remember to keep. But here's what he is allowing me to do today. To stand with you in the midst of your storm. To pray with you. And I believe for us together, because I'm in this with you, for us to sense an overwhelming, there it is right there. Wow. overwhelming presence of God our father today is coming by his own presence to hold you as his children in his arms storm may not be over but the father says I'm coming today to make my presence known in your life so that you'll feel my presence, the strength of my arms, and that you'll hear my voice and know that I am holding you through this storm. That's powerful right there. All over this building, I want people to pray. Would you just start praying? Pray for these folks that are up here. Because I'm telling you, if the grief that they're suffering is like I am, it's heavy. It's heavy. These folks are going through one of the most difficult times of their life. But the Holy Spirit's about to start reaching out. The Father's about to start touching some folks. And I want you to pray. I want everybody in this room to be a part of this. The Holy Spirit's moving. He's moving.